Hey, this is JJ Matat. I'm the worship pastor at Jubilee, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope it ministers to your heart and allows God to speak right to you. If you would like to know more about our church, visit jfc.org. Enjoy the message. Come on, Jubilee, give it up. Oh, you can do better than that. (laughs) There's a rabbinical saying that says, to save a life is to save the world. You know, this is what it's about, guys. I love that we're part of a church, a family that, that is unified in doing this. This is the hands and feet of Jesus, isn't it? And uh, we need to be that more and more in a day that needs it. Can I get an amen? <laughs> All right. Are you glad to be in church today? <clears throat> well, I'm glad to be. Uh, my name's Jake. Uh, I get the pleasure to serve here and to teach on the teaching team. Uh, I've got four kids. I'm happily married, well over 20 years, and, and I'm just happy to be here, guys. We're, we're in a series called Advent, and we're talking about uh, peace today. And I'm going to share with you a very familiar Christmas story that you've probably heard a million times. And then I'm going to share with you probably the weirdest, strangest Christmas story that you've ever heard. And uh, hopefully we'll tie it together with a nice bow and and go from there. So if you got your Bibles, let's open up to our text. We're going to look at uh, Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 2. And uh, Luke was uh, a physician. He was very detailed in his writings. So his narration, his narrative uh, is what we're going to follow uh, this, this week. We're going to start with uh, chapter 10. This is, you've heard this. You could probably, half of you probably memorized it, you know, so well, or, or dads or grandpas that have read it uh, around the tree. Uh, verse 10, it says, And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And this is what I want to dig into. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, as, uh, as we quiet our hearts right now and dig into your, your scripture, we know that your word, it doesn't come back void. And so as it's being sent out, God, we know it has to reach through every heart, God, in every situation and every experience that's here before it comes back. God, we pray for just life right now. Just with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask a question. I just feel the Spirit's asking. If you're here today um, and you're struggling with some form of depression, uh, would you just look up at me? I don't want to highlight. Yeah, anyone else? Anyone else? You, you've been diagnosed or you just have a feeling. you just like something's going on right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> God, we pray against this. And right now, in the name of Jesus, would you break that depression? Bring in a flood of light and hope and peace, God, that they've never felt before. Let it be accompanied with the knowledge, God, that by your stripes, we are healed. Not we might be healed, we can be, we are healed. God, we stand in that right now. We say the enemy has no right to blind or cover ears. God, we pray for that peace to come in right now. In your name we pray. Everyone said? 
Amen. Amen. Um, have you ever battled, not battled, that's not a good word, but have you ever uh, warred or wrestled with God before on something? Either as a non-believer um, or a believer for, you know, 30 years or whatever. Have you ever had those kind of wrestling uh, you know, moments where, where you're, you're trying to, you know, figure out like, should I do this? Should I not do? Like I brought up last night, I talked about, you remember the first time for those of you that, that have maybe grown up in church, do you remember the first time you raised your hands, right? In church to worship? <laughs> do you remember how like, uh, uh, like anxious you were inside? You're like, well, it's like you're going to jump off a high dive or something, but you're just lifting your hands and, and you think in your mind, you're like, everyone's watching me. <laughs> They're all just staring at me like I'm a weirdo. And, and it, 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 it's this wrestling inside, right? This kind of battle that we go. And, and I think God uses these, these moments to uh, wrestle us, to kind of uh, expose something. And, and what we learn, and, and we're gonna kind of unpack is on the other side of that, we find peace, a really cool kind of peace. Uh, but there is the wrestling. There's, there's those moments where um, whether you're spiritual or non-spiritual, you have those uh, experiences that you just can't deny, like something God is trying to get me to recognize something. <laughs> I remember uh, Pastor John, actually, uh, when he was a youth pastor, uh, I went to a youth camp and, and I was in such a rebellious stage uh, I told, uh, even in the first service, um, I was rebellious because at 11 years old, my dad died in a car accident. And to 11 year old, I didn't understand. I, I couldn't wrap my mind around why a God would, what I thought, take my father. And I had this real angst, this real, uh, just hard heart in, in my posture to God. And uh, I remember going to this youth camp uh, where Pastor John was speaking. And uh, I remember being so just, man, the Holy Spirit was doing something special that day. And even a hard heart like mine, it started to, to break through, to soften. And I remember the wrestling that went on in my heart. I remember it so well, the tension, that at one point, everyone was standing up towards the stage and everyone was singing a, a worship song that was big then. And, and the spirit of God was so thick there and the wrestle, the tension in my heart was so thick that I couldn't even sing the words to the worship song. I had to lip sync the words because I knew as soon as I spoke the words, like a dam, it would just open up. And I knew that wrestling, it would just let it down. My guard would be down. Right, and maybe you've experienced that kind of wrestling uh, in, in a different way. I remember uh, even in that same area, 19 years old, really struggling with my faith. I hated God. I wanted nothing to do with him. My brother, he was younger than me and he was really into worship at the time. And uh, we had a piano in our house and, uh, and he would play the piano. And uh, I would stay uh, down in the basement. I had my room and I would stay down in this basement and turn my, you know, punk music on and my reggae and all, my, all the music I loved, you know. And, and I'm cranking this stuff just to try and drown out my brother's piano playing. And you say, what, is he playing really loud? No, he wasn't playing really loud. He was playing really anointed. And he had a song I remember that day so vividly. It was a song he actually wrote. And, and uh, it's, it was called, What Am I Without You? He said, this is my life. This is my song. This is my life. What am I without you? 
And I could not get that out of my mind. I couldn't, as hard as I wrestled, as loud as I turned up that music, I could not. The tension was like this in my heart. And I didn't know how much I was holding on to. But this Christmas verse, this, this story that we read of the day that Jesus was born has to do exactly with what we're talking about. You see, I, I remember a couple months ago, I was uh, having dinner with my wife and we were with another couple and uh, we're eating and my wife made a statement about some plans that she had made for us on the following uh, Saturday. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I made plans on that Saturday. What are you doing? Now, I'll be honest, she probably did tell me at one point <laughs> that there were plans made. And it's very likely that I probably forgot or just misplanned or didn't hear at all. Right, guys? We've been there before. <laughs> but she says, you know, we're doing this. And, and, and in that moment, I felt almost offended. <laughs> like, how could you... I went and planned this whole thing and you went and scheduled. So, and this is all happening in the middle of dinner, right? And, and, and so this, this almost eight-year-old German voice of, of mine <laughs> spoke up and it's just like, I'm mad. Like, I'm really offended at this. And so I did all those subtle things that we do <laughs> in, a, in a marriage, right? Where I slowly begin to shift my body <laughs> away from my wife, Right? I began talking more with the couple that we're with than with my wife itself. And then another voice spoke to me, a better voice. And he said, you're being a real turd. <laughs> he said, you're not being too good here. And I knew it. I recognized it. And so I reached over real gently and I just grabbed my wife's hand and I just squeezed it and I looked at her and just smiled. Very simple. And under the table with her legs, she just kind of rubbed the side of my leg just to let me know like, hey, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> I don't know what we're fighting about, what we're wrestling over, but we're gonna work it through. We'll figure it out because we've done it before. We'll do it again. Her foot's very expressive. <laughs> But this is the piece we're talking about. This is that, that, that piece, and, and let's just read it, okay? Once again, the angel shows up, right, in verse two, fear not, which you're gonna hear Pastor John teach on that in a couple of weeks, it's gonna be great. And he says, this is for all people, for all people. But then he says, this huge multitude of heavens, of the heavens show up and begin shouting a message. This message is so important, so big, that literally the hosts of heaven had to interrupt an angel to do it. Glory to God in the highest. And then he says, on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. What is that peace? What is on earth peace? Is there a time limit on it? Is it mental peace? Is it Emotional peace? Is it world peace? Is it a piece of pie? I don't know. Like, what is this peace on earth? And I want to look at it. In order to understand it, we got to learn what this on earth peace is not first. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that we know that this 
on earth peace is not is it's not political or international peace. It's just not. I know a lot of us sometimes, and it's very easy in our culture to put a lot of hope in our government, to put a lot of hope in peace being brought worldwide. And that's a good thing to to want. That's a good thing to pray for. That's a good thing to desire. But is this the kind of peace that the angels are talking about when they say on earth peace? It's not. And how do we know that? Because in just 20 chapters later, in Luke chapter 21, verse seven, the disciples asked the teacher about the end times. And it says this, they said, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, Jesus, see that you're not led astray for many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And then he says this, and when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified for these things must first take place. So Jesus is giving us clear direction that at the end of all of it, we're still gonna see wars and rumors of wars. It's just the reality of it. And let's just be honest, if this on earth peace that we received when Jesus was born 2000 so years ago, if we haven't experienced that governmental international peace 2000 years later, we're probably not gonna experience it, right? I mean, that's just the reality of what it is. So it can't be this on earth peace that we're talking about. It's not an international, it's not a world peace, right? It's much deeper. Now, can that happen? Absolutely. When you practice the ways of Jesus, there are some good fruit that happens from that, just naturally, whether you follow God or not. There's some natural fruit to running things ethically, to loving your neighbor as you love yourself. There are good things you can see from that. But is this the on earth peace? No, this is much more, something much deeper. All right, so it's not international. It's not uh, uh, peace in, in, in that sense politically. Uh, what else is it not? Well, it's also not psychological or internal peace. It's not, it's not this kind of warm, you know, oh, like we're all gonna sit around and once, once you know, this peace on earth has come, we can all, I, see, I say this and I already know. You're just like, yeah, that's just not, that's just impossible. It's not real, right? Now, do we experience peace? Yes, absolutely we experience peace. But there's a difference between on earth peace and peace experiencing. Does that make sense? This on earth peace is something substantial. It's something literal, right? Uh, we're, we're told on earth. This other kind of peace, it, it, it's a peace that we can seek sideways like this. And it's not a fulfilling peace. Why? Because it's temperamental. It, it, it's, it's partial. It's not complete. Does that, you, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, we're, we're gonna celebrate Christmas in just a little while. And we're gonna experience peace at the ultimate level, right? Everyone's, if you meet a grumpy person on Christmas, man, you should just slap them because it is impossible to be unhappy and peaceful on Christmas. But guess what? Guess what will happen on December 26th? Christmas will be over. <laughs> the Christmas spirit will be done. Maybe it lingers for a while, but what will happen? We'll go back to how it was. This isn't a lasting peace, it's a partial peace that we have. And it's okay to seek that out, to seek out internal psychological peace. That is great, read the books, seek the help, do all that. But don't miss out on the bigger part, okay? And we'll get to that. 
Now, how else do we know this? <laughs> that it's not psychological, that it's not an internal piece? Well, Jesus tells us very bluntly in just 10 chapters later, Luke chapter 12, verse 51, Jesus in the red letters says, do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you don't see that one stitched on the pillows, right? <laughs> no, division. Like he's just asked straight out, is this, is this an internal? No, I haven't come for that kind of peace. I come for division. Now, does that mean division is wherever Jesus goes? No, it just means what he's saying is that when you become a Christ follower, when you make the decision to follow Jesus, there are gonna be people that disagree with you. There's gonna be conversations about you. There's gonna be uh, uh, situations that you don't like. There's gonna be things said that you don't like. There's gonna be actions taken on you because of your faith. We just saw the Supreme Court strike down in New York City, right? The right to churches staying open. We saw it struck down by the Supreme Court, but here's the thing, it was voted down five to four, not nine to zero. This wasn't just an automatic, yeah, keep the churches open. We live in a culture, guys, that sees, that, that automatically postures themselves towards the church with angst. Does that make sense? And it will only get harder before it gets easier. Merry Christmas. <laughs> this is why this piece is so important. This, this piece is, it's not a symbol. Like some of us, we, we think, oh, Jesus swaddled in the, you know, it's the image, it's the symbol of peace. No, this is literally angels, all of heaven shouting on earth peace. Something substantial, something you can have while on earth, not some frilly little, uh, <laughs> I grew up in the eighties, we had this commercial where all these uh, ethnic groups would be gathered around and all diverse groups and they're all coming together and in the background you hear, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Sounds good, right? <laughs> and what's the following part? I'd like to buy the world a Coke. <laughs> Yes, that's what, what does government fail at, but Coke can do, bring world peace, right? It's this like imaginary kumbaya kind of, you know, thing that we imagine, uh, but it's real. It's something real. God gives us something substantial within this. So what is peace then? What is this on earth peace that Luke is talking about? To understand it, we got to kind of back up the story a little bit before Jesus was born. Because a guy by the name of Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, gives us a clue as to why Jesus is declared this on earth peace and why it's so magnificent for us as, as mankind. Uh, Luke chapter one, verses 76. This is what uh, Zechariah, whose mouth is silenced and then later is opened, and this is the prayer that he prays over his son, John the Baptist, for and about Jesus Christ. Now listen to this, because he's gonna give us a little clue of what this on earth peace is about. He says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. 
Because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Luke chapter two then goes into uh, the, the, the scripture we heard, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. So Zechariah here first comes out and says, listen, this is, you're leading the way, the path for the salvation and the forgiveness of sins. That's literally what he says. He says, it's the knowledge of salvation for the forgiveness of sin. This gives us a hint of what this is. It's something substantial. This peace isn't a peace that goes like this, right, where it reaches out to our neighbors and our family, our friends, this on earth peace is talking about this peace. Through salvation, through the forgiveness of sins, it's this peace that is so important. And if you say, oh, that's it, then we need to talk. (laughs) Because God wants to do something with you. He wants to shake the dust off. This is, this is, Zechariah says at the very end, he says, this person that you're gonna bring, that, that we know is Jesus, he's gonna give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This was a well-known prophecy in Isaiah 9 of the coming Messiah. Any Jewish person that would have heard this would have known. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the coming savior. And what is he preparing for that? The knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. It's it's like John Wesley, he said it best. The theologian, he wrote a song called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. You see, when I turned over to my wife and I grabbed her, that process is something that we call reconciliation. It's a shifting of the heart. It's taking a heart of stone and it's softening it and it's turning it towards the one that you're reconciling with. And this is the reconciliation that the angels are declaring that this incredible thing, that mankind is loved so much that God would become man himself to die for them so that they can have salvation and all their junk and all their sin and all their shortcomings won't matter because when they stand in front of me, if they have Jesus, I see a pure soul. And that is something to shout about. That is something that angels see and want to understand even more of. You can't receive it later. You can't wait on it. It is on earth. It is literally for the time that you have now to experience on earth peace. God and sinners reconciled. What an amazing gift. What an amazing thing. See, you can, you can try and be the best peacemaker, 
right? Jesus talks about blessed are the peacemakers, right? You could be the best peacemaker and you could walk around experiencing peace all day, but I'm telling you, it's only half of what you're gonna, what you really should be getting if you don't miss or if you miss out on this piece. Because the ability to give and be a peacemaker is only amplified when you have this restored and this is reconciled. Does this make sense? And, and you can read all the books and you can study and you could do all that, but you're, you're limiting yourself. You're drinking. I was in the hospital a couple of years ago for an issue of ketoacidosis, which long story short, I had to get a lot of liquid. I was dehydrated in a major way. And so they sent me to the hospital and they pumped me with all these fluids. I mean, just the good stuff, right? Like I'm hooked up. It's all, I could feel it. It's cool in my blood, right? I'm like, woo. And the doctor says, well, have you been drinking your Gatorade? I said, well, I've been drinking Gatorade Zero, which some of you, some of you know, it's the, it's the zero sugar one. And they go, that's dumb. You shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, why? They said, you're missing half the ingredients that you need. Some of those ingredients, part of the sugar is what your body needs when it's dehydrated. So not only are you not getting the really good stuff, you're not even drinking part of the stuff you should be drinking. And, and this is, when we settle for just this kind of piece, peace on earth with just man, if, 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 if I settled for just uh, international peace or, or uh, psychological peace, then I'm missing the bigger scene. That peace is so much greater when I have this peace figured out. God and sin, sinners reconciled. Oh, that, my friends, makes heaven sing. All right, let's get to this weird Christmas story. Genesis chapter 38. Genesis chapter 38, we're gonna read this weird story and it's around this girl named Tamar, but more importantly, this guy named Judah. Everyone say Judah. Judah is the brother of Joseph. And if you remember your Old Testament well, your Sunday school, Joseph was the one thrown in a pit, right? Uh, Judah was the one that suggested it. Judah was the one that said, let's dip his coat of many colors in sheep's blood and see if dad recognizes something, right? He's the one that, did, that, that, that initiated this, that, that, that has this on his conscience. And this is where we pick up in this story. In verses one, chapter 38, it says, it happened at the time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adalamite whose name was Hira. Now, already we know this is bad. He's left, he's parted from his family. That's never good. If you're out there isolated all alone, that's never a good situation. And not only that, but he's not around his own people. Now he's far away from the Jewish people. He's around the Canaanites. And this was never good for the Jewish people. Uh, there Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite woman whose name was Shua. He took her and he went into her and she conceived and bore a son and he called his name Ur. Everyone say Ur. She, well done. <laughs> sound like Tony the Tiger there. <laughs> she conceived again and she bore a son and she called his name Onan. Everyone say Onan. Yet again, she bore a son and she called his name Shelah. Everyone say Shelah. All right, so we have three sons to one dad whose name is Judah, okay? Judah was in uh, Chezib when she bore uh, him these children. 
And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Everyone say Tamar. Perfect. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. So you have uh, Tamar is brought in, this Canaanite woman, this woman who is not Jewish, right? And she's brought in and she's forced and said, I need you to marry my son Ur. Now, we're told many times, I don't know if you noticed, but Ur is the firstborn. I think he says it three times in there. They want, the author wants to make sure you know he is the firstborn. Why? Because firstborns were privileged, weren't they? You got any firstborns here? It's hard being firstborn, isn't it? No, okay, all, all the youngers. It, I guess we have a lot of younger crowds. Any last born? There we go, all right. So you have all this dynamic going on, and he says, I need you to marry Ur. Now, he's the firstborn, so he's, he's got the life, right? He, he's he's uh, prettier, he's wealthier, uh, he's healthier. That's why they named him Ur. Come on. Oh, that was bad. That's all right. You'll get it on the way home. Wow. Oh. But apparently God thought he was wicked-er, <laughs> and so he killed him. <laughs> but uh, uh, then Judah said to Onan, the second son, go into your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. Merry Christmas. I'm telling you, it is a Christmas story. I promise you. Okay, maybe PG-13, but hey. All right, then Judah said to Onan, go to your brother's wife, perform the duty of a brother-in-law. Obviously, polygamy is pretty big here. Um, so he tells his uh, second son, I need you to go into her and give a son. But Onan knew that this, the offspring would not be his. And so whenever he went into his brother's wife, he would waste the semen on the ground as not to give offspring to his brother. Where is this going, Pastor Jake? <laughs> And what, did he, and what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, you keeping track, everyone? Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah, the third son, grows up, for he feared that he would die like his brothers. He's got a pretty good assumption. So Tamar went and remained in her father's house. Is this weird? I told you it was weird, right? You're like, when's baby Jesus showing up? <laughs> Somewhere, right? And so here's what happens is uh, Judah actually loses his wife. And for a very short time of mourning, he actually goes down and uh, he's getting his sheep taken care of in a, in a southern part of town. And while he's down there, he notices a, a certain area where there's prostitutes. Now, Tamar, the daughter-in-law, might I remind you, said, this isn't right. I need to do something. Now, what's, what's nice is Tamar's motives are genuine. Like she, she wants to bear a kid. That's a, that's a noble thing, right? On top of that, she, she, she obviously doesn't want to be a Canaanite anymore. She wants to be a part. She wants this to be her family, the Hebrew family. It's, it's noble desires. That's a good, good thing to want. But, but at the same time, she, it's not fair to her. She's childless and, and Judah's never going to give her that third son. She knows it. So she goes down. She takes off her widow's clothes. She covers her face up and she heads down to the area where the prostitutes are. And Judah sees her. He doesn't recognize her. And he goes, hey, how much? <laughs> right? And you just want to break into joy to the world at this point, but, but just hold on, all right? He says, how much? And she says, oh, uh, or he says, I'll give you a sheep. 
And she says, well, how do I know you're gonna bring this sheep? And, and he's got this staff and this ring and a signet. And he goes, let me give this to you. It's essentially like, here's my credit card and my ID. You just keep it. And when I bring the sheep back, we'll switch it back. Well, he decides to come. She takes this stuff and she's got his ring, the things that identify him. And she heads back, right? They have sex. She gets pregnant he tries to go pay the sheep back, but she can't, she can't be found anywhere. <laughs> Verse 24, listen to this. About three months later, Judah was told this. Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she's pregnant by immorality. Yeah, by your dad. <laughs> and Judah said, listen to this, listen to this. Bring her out and let her be burned. <sighs> this is serious. The Bible is vicious at times. Like it can be gory at times, but even this statement is intense. Bring her out and burn her. Why? Because she's filthy. She's dirty. She's immoral. She's not up to par. She'll never be a part of this family. Right? And then it says... <laughs> that she was being brought out, while she was bringing brought out, she sent word to this father-in-law, Judah, and says, take this ring and the staff and this signet, and by the man whom these belong, I am pregnant. <sighs> Talk about mic drop, right? And it's almost as if the Holy Spirit stops Judah. He goes, do you recognize something? Same way that David was stopped at times. Do you recognize something here? Something's shifting, something's happening. What are you gonna do here? Judah recognizes his fault. And he says, <clears throat> after identifying them, she, Tamar, is more righteous than I. That's a man who's understood his place. That's a person who has wrestled <laughs> and is finding something on the other side. Now, before you go out and you go, let's decorate the tree. I'm just so in the mood for Christmas right now. <laughs> You're like, what in the world does this story have to do with Christmas at all? <laughs> what does this have to do with honor and peace, Jake? I wanna show you. This is so cool, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Matthew chapter one, the very first verse in the whole New Testament is a list of genealogies. And you say, that is so boring. <laughs> I hate the genealogies, right? But for Jewish people in those days, that was, their, it was a huge deal. It was like their Marvel movie, if you will. It, like, it showed like their family history, the, the great ones of the past. It was something they could look to and, and say, this is my family, this is my identity, right? And this is what it says in the ancestry, the genealogy of the savior of the world. Matthew chapter one, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, recognize him, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac the father of Jacob and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. What? What? Tamar's in here? Tamar made it? I mean, What's, what's the moral of this story, right? Like, 
if you're trying to get pregnant and your husband dies and you try to marry your his brother and that doesn't work, and then you go fake to be a prostitute, sleep with your father-in-law, right? And, and then you get listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? What? And it's not just that. Listen, in the Hebrew, when you've read a genealogy, women were never listed. And here, Tamar's listed. And not just Tamar, Bathsheba was listed. There wasn't even a good woman, like a righteous woman listed. It's like Matthew just took this list of all the women that lived throughout the generations and said, Who are the, who's the one that caused the most trouble? These people, let's just put them in the genealogy. <laughs> it's crazy. Why would that happen? Why does God do this? Why does he list in the genealogy of his son people that weren't even, that were Canaanites? Some were Moabites. I mean, the, do you, the implications of Je Jesus wasn't even 100% Jewish. <laughs> like he had Canaanite blood. Imagine this. Why? What's the purpose? Why is Tamar listed in here? Because I'll tell you this. If God can take a situation as weird and awkward and horrible and despicable as the story with Tamar and Judah, then he can do it with you. Oh, he can do it with you. If, if, if all, it's like God just opened the door and he said, let them all in. Just let them all in. But, but this one's got problems. He's got depression. And, and this one has anxiety. And this one, I don't even want to tell you what they've done. And he says, I don't care. I've got Tamar in there. I've got Jake in there. I don't see their faults. Because why? Because I came to bring peace on earth. And when you get this peace, this on earth peace, this peace just happens naturally. It's, it's just naturally. Man, I, uh, recently, I, I, we, me, we went through a really, really tough situation. And, and my wife, she said like, it was directed to, it was a lot of personal, without going into it. And, and Kim said, well, how are you so calm in this situation? How are you so peaceful? Why am I so peaceful? Because I'm Tamar. <laughs> Why can I enjoy and rest in that peace? Because I've made this peace. I've made this peace. I'm at rest and I can handle this now a lot better and I'm a lot more effective at it because I've fixed this. I think a lot of us a lot of us hear this and, and, and it's just the white noise. And, and the truth is, is you're here and, and, and maybe you're saying in the back of your mind, Jake, this sounds exciting and I hear it and it does, but maybe you've been following God so long that it's just become kind of white noise and you've gotten over it. You've gotten over it. This thing, grace and this thing, salvation. I'm the worst of all sinners. <laughs> I'm the worst of all sinners. <laughs> and he let me in. 
I was a nobody. I don't come from a lineage of pastors and, and, and Jimmy, you know, or Jimmy Swaggart. So you don't want to go there. <laughs> Some of you get that. It's incredible. It's incredible when you see, when you look at your life, where you look at where you could have been, but where God rescued you, that's amazing. It's incredible. And, and how could we just get over it? How do we just get over that? First Peter 1 Peter 1.10, it says this, concerning this salvation, what we're talking about, concerning this salvation, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who've preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, and it says this, things into which angels long to look. I get, I get over this, it, the luster loses, and here are angels poised in heaven, perched over watching earth and just seeing the story of salvation and grace and going, do you see this? Gabriel, do you see this? <laughs> well, we got things, no, no, I never get tired of seeing this. Did you see Jake's life? Did you see how it was changed? Did you see Steve? Did you see Tamar? She was the worst. Look at her. This thing's incredible. How could he do it? Because he's God and he loves you. 19 years old, I stood in an outdoor auditorium, amphitheater, listening to and watching a play called The Toymaker's Dream. It was just a play retelling this gospel, this salvation story. And I'd heard it a thousand times growing up, but a thousand and one times that fist came down. And I said, I'm tired of fighting with you. I want this peace, I want peace. And I rested and I took part of this piece. And sometimes I get over it. Sometimes I lose that, I forget it. And I need to stir up that fire and I need to remember how precious this gift is. But you have to too, we all do. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinner reconciled. What an amazing God. Would you pray with me? Listen, while, while your heads are bowed, you need to listen to this. There are married couples that when they're around each other long enough, they become, the words estranged. The things that once excited them and that they, that they looked at and thought were great uh, um, ideals now are the things that aggravate them. And some of you, you're estranged right now from your creator. And maybe the things that you were attracted to at first now are the things almost that annoy you about it. He keeps coming after me. Why is this so easy, this grace? It's easy to become estranged. God, as we hear you, as we try to recognize our place, God, we don't wanna fight. Our natural position is to want to, to fight God, but we wanna lay our fists down. Give us this peace. Give us this peace on earth, God. If you're here today with your eyes closed and you say, Jake, I've never known Jesus, or maybe you've followed Christ, but you've walked away in some point. If you're here today though, with no one looking around, I don't wanna embarrass you or anything. I just wanna pray for you. If you're here, you say, man, I need some of this on earth peace. I need to reconcile with Jesus. Would you just lift your hand? I wanna pray for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, lots of hands. 
Anyone else right now? This is, it's on earth. This is, it's a time limit. You can't take it with you. Yeah, more hand. Yeah, anyone else? You can put them down. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you will be saved. In just a moment, we're gonna all pray this prayer together as a church. But if you raised your hand, this is something special for you. It's a door opening. It's peace on earth. Not just an emotional feeling in that, but you'll see other things in that. Doesn't mean life gets easy, but it means that Jesus walks with you through those storms. Let's pray this all together as a church. Would you join me? Father, come on, everyone together. Father, we come to you broken and in need of you. We don't wanna fight anymore. So I lay down my sin, all my shortcomings, and I lay him at the foot of the cross. You came to give me peace and I wanna receive it right now in the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, can we give those people a hand today? I just wanted one last prayer for you. Father, those that are here that are still just struggling, maybe the shine has worn off. I pray that, that you would not bring new luster back to it, God, not bring back the things that were in the past. We want the new. We want the new wineskin, God. We want fresh moves. God, as we move out of here and we don't know what tomorrow will bring, we don't know what next week will bring, God. In our times, it's, there's so much uncertainty and, and God, we just, we sang earlier, our anchor is in you and we rest in that. We rejoice in that. Give weary bones strength, God. Give tired muscles new uh, uh, strength, fresh strength, God. Give tired minds uh, a new perspective. Let the scriptures come alive. God, this Christmas season, may we enjoy peace and practice peace. In your name we pray, everyone said, amen. Thank you guys, we love y'all.